Hello and welcome to Revelation On Demand Podcast. Thank you so much for choosing to give us your time. We know you have a choice when it comes to End of the World Podcasts, and we appreciate we're your choice. Today, I am joined by Chris Hess, my co-host. How you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. All circumstances accounted for. That's great to hear. And uh, I'm JD, by the way. Terrible host. I didn't introduce myself first, and I'm glad you guys could be here today because I feel like there's some pretty important stuff God's put on my my heart for this episode. And it's a really short chapter. It's only 11 verses. It's going to be pretty light on what we're talking about the chapter, but there was some big stuff this week that Christ kind of put in my life that I really wanted to share with you guys. So uh, we're going to go over notes from last episode. Do you have something you want to say about that, Chris? Yeah. So in chapter three of Revelation, it was pretty much the second part of the previous chapter, chapter two. Uh, The entire point of chapters two and three were to go over to seven churches that were in, uh, that were in Asia minor, you know, ancient places that uh, Jesus specifically targeted to be held accounted for because of their sin. Uh, Long story short on that. So we went over three out of the seven, like I said. I think so. Uh, The first one was Sardis. Second one was Philadelphia. Third one was Laodicea. All you need to know about Sardis, brief description. They were integrating belief systems with Christianity. So they were mixing mythology with Christianity and forming their own definition on what what Christianity would be from there on out. And, and when you say mythology at the time, this would have been like the theology. So it wasn't necessarily mythology back then. This was other religions with it, you know? Exactly. Um, well put. Philadelphia. Uh, interesting situation there. They held Jews in higher regard than Christians. And Christians were excluded from the religious and were just discredited completely. Yeah, and again, there when the Jews pushed the Christians out of the church, the Christians lost their their Jew status, which exempted them from certain taxes and having to pay tributes. Yes, sir. Lastly, was Laodicea, uh, really kind of cool place. You know, they were ingenuity. They had a lot of ingenuity with a certain piece of technology um, that Jesus gave a specific. Um, key phrase to an item description in his message to them, which had happened a couple times last chapter. Uh, but anyway, it was something to clear their eyes and uh, something that this particular church was doing was anyone that was part of the Christian belief was being manipulated into the idea that uh, Christianity was a temporary phase in your life. It wasn't a lifelong commitment. It was something that you learn, you know, like a class, and then you move on from it. Yeah, and another big thing about that was that they were lulled into the idea that they didn't need God. So, it would, because they were so rich in there that they would, they would rely on their own ability over God's ability. So, that's that was their big mistake there, and that's where I think you're talking about that stepping stone idea. Yeah, and and the reason why I brought up that piece of technology is we got on a 
pretty long talk about that because it was like you know the way that they were ill conceived and also mis- uh, deceiving others was uh, a way of like being blinded. Yeah, yeah. So uh, another thing that I wanted to mention because I should have thought of this before the podcast, but I just heard it this last week on one of my own podcasts that I listened to. Um, this idea is why do we have the book of revelations in the Bible? And this could be a, you know, a really big question for most people. And the idea is, is that revelation as confusing as it is, and as, you know, uh, full of imagery as it is, it's supposed to give believers who are going through tough times, the hope in, in the knowledge, the foreknowledge that God's going to win. Ultimately, he's going to bring about the end of the world and we will be resurrected as long as we're in Christ. And this is supposed to give us hope even in times of trial, especially like times today. Wouldn't you agree, Chris? Yes. So, um, and we've had a few discussions on this in the past. We, uh, we were basically going and clad in hearsay, uh, if that's a way of putting it, when we were bringing up, you know, the modern situations, of, of what we're going through, and we'll transition into that here in a second. Um, primarily speaking, though, uh, the purpose of this book is not only to arm us and prepare us, but like JD was saying, what something that we both agreed on is to uh, give us peace of mind Yeah, in situations like yeah. what you're talking about. Lately, yeah, no, and that's just the the big idea is that we should read Revelation and not be scared. We should be, you know, calmed by it because this is God's victory over over the wicked ways of the world. And speaking of the wicked ways of the world, the things that are going on now, uh, we're still in the middle of this COVID crisis, and there's still riots and stuff like that. So I I still feel like this podcast is probably even more relevant right now because of all the turmoil you know we need to be there to give people hope that there is an end to this and god will be victorious so we don't need to have anxiety for the future it's all in his plan he's not surprised by any of this and that brings me great comfort yeah praise god um you know uh since we're sharing on a personal level uh Sometimes I get pulled back from the actual dire situation and the seriousness of what what would be like political unrest, war, uh, anything that's going on in the world, and not to necessarily not take it serious enough, but to you know take a step back from actually worrying about it and putting trust and it, it not only in the Lord but also in those that he's armed and given the strength toward protecting, acknowledging that, you know, things are going to work out in the end. And I guess that is taking a step back to what we were just talking about previously. Um, Though, yeah, I do want to, I do want to collaborate with you a little bit, JD, on uh, what's been going on with the, um, with the riots and the election and stuff. What, what, what else are your personal feelings on this as of just right now before we get started? Well, personally, I've, I've heard some things that kind of make me worry about November. Uh, 
doesn't matter which way the election goes. It doesn't matter if Trump wins or loses. There's going to be even more unrest, I believe, because it's such a like 2016 was a pretty polarized election, but this one is is like nothing I've ever seen before. And I don't really study the history of elections, so maybe someone could correct me on that. Maybe there's been more polarized elections that ended without, you know, mass riots, but I just, and, you know, when you listen to the politics all the time, you, you can kind of get this sense of anxiety and worry about this, but I keep hearing this, this repeated message through all my podcasts and just this feeling from the Lord, like, don't worry, I've got you. This is just part of the plan. You you will make it through this. It doesn't matter, you know, so carry on Christian soldier. And another big thing that I kind of got a conviction for this week and I started reaching out to some people who were, you know, kind of on the fence Christians is that we really need to push the commission right now in times of crisis in times of turmoil. We need to be telling people about the, you know, the joy of Jesus Christ and believing in him and what it means to give up all your, your worries to the Lord. And so if you are listening and you're someone who's like, well, I don't know if I really want to believe or, you know, you're just kind of hemming and hawing at this. I really, really want to, you know, ask you, please consider taking Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because if this is the end times, then if you accept Christ, you will get into the new Jerusalem and, you know, you'll get eternity. And if this isn't the end times, then Jesus Christ will walk with you through this, this, you know, tough time, which is a great, a great pleasure in my life. I, I just, this unnatural peace that comes over me at times when I'm starting to feel anxious is something I wish more people could, you know, experience. I don't know how you've experienced uh-huh. that, but that, that's, that's what I got. Yeah. I mean, I've been blessed lately with a lot of that. Um, it, a lot of that peaceful and, uh, you know, very relaxed, laid back feel. And, uh, and it motivates me to get very excited about when we do outreach and ministry like this. Yeah. And like I said, I, I really had that conviction. So if you're a Christian and you know, people who are, you know, not quite Christians or haven't accepted Jesus Christ, I, I want to, I want to ask you too to go out there and talk to them, just have a conversation with them, ask them what their apprehensions are and, and, you know, walk with them and see if you can't lead them to Christ because it's just so much better when you're, when you're a follower of Christ, because he either walks with you through hell or he will be there on the other side when we are raptured or, you know, whatever the end looks like. Yeah, a wise man once told me the presence of God never leaves us. Yeah, so now we're going to go over what what are actually, we're going to go over the chapter now. Um, this is where we start into the, the fantastic imagery of, of uh, Revelations, and this is where we really start to see some of the more bizarre creatures and symbols that may many people just kind of breeze over and like, wow, that was strange, like this guy had a weird dream and you know, I've had that before where I wake up and you just can't quite remember what you were dreaming of, but it was, it leaves this funny taste in your mouth. And it's like, that was strange. And and most people get that feeling from the book of revelation. And that's part of the reason we want to go over this. We want to, we want to get what we can out of it. And it's not just a strange dream. It is trying to tell us something. Yeah. 
for sure. You want to do and, that, um, or you got something? Well, I mean, something that we also probably should mention is that, um, you know, no, not to say that the world isn't spiritual now. I would like to think, though, and something that we went over was in, in the past, uh, these cultures were much more spiritually accepting and uh, thriving on expanding their horizons with any sort of contextual evidence or um, like form of they didn't have media, but they had books and they had stories and they had everything in the world to go based off of uh, from what they heard, saw, and were able to read. So some of the, like you were just saying, JD, some of the info that we're going to receive here almost seems like a bad dream where really this is just the most vivid description that uh, the witness was able to account for. And we're actually going to uh, join back with John directly after chapter one in Revelation because this is still the same instance in which John was confronted by the spirit of Jesus now in a more transcended spirit of God form while he was on the island of Patmos. Yeah, and thanks for saying that. I, I completely missed that. But uh, let's keep in mind that John is seeing things in this, this vision that uh, are beyond his capability of describing. So he's using the closest thing that he can you know, think of to describe this. So when we read these things, sometimes they seem kind of strange. The, the descriptions seem strange to us. And we got to remember that John was a, was a man in the time, in the biblical time of ancient history, where there's probably things he's seen in the spiritual realm that we would recognize today that he just didn't have words for. So as we go and we get into the more fantastic ones, we'll that talk about what's going on in the world we'll, uh, we'll kind of, you know, muse on what those things could be. So if you'd please read the scripture for us. Yeah, that'll resonate a lot. Um, but that'll resonate as we read through. Absolutely. So we're going to knock all, um, 11 verses out in one reading. Yep. And just a friendly reminder, this is revelations or the book of revelation chapter four, mm-hmm. verse one. After this, I looked And there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had uh, first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit. And there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Ruby a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne, <clears throat> excuse me, were four living creatures. 
and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second was like an ox, the third had a face like a man, the fourth the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory, honor, and power, uh, and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. That's, that's beautiful scripture, and, and like I said, very vivid imagery there. And uh, there's a lot of symbology there that we're going to kind of dissect some of that and see what that means and uh, what the best scholars have on this. So you have something you wanted to mention there first, Chris? Um, yeah, so um, J.D. is going to take us into, like he said, uh, symbology, what the scholars and... Um, Anyone who like literally dubs uh, like dubs and dives into the Bible for a living can interpret of this and the most culturally accurate way. Um, I just thought from this the first time I read it was a throne seems like the exact thing you'd expect. Think of uh, like when you picture heaven, like when you go to heaven, a throne is almost like one of the first things that you expect to see, right? Mm-hmm. Where God. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, one of them's got to be there, or all three. Yeah, yeah, and uh, this is this is definitely one of the times in the Bible where you see someone step into the throne room of God, and this happens several times. Once in Isaiah, and there's another one that I'm forgetting. But anyways, here we are. John is is before God in his throne room, and we're getting a good description of what it looks like in there. Excuse me. And uh, this is this is where the symbology starts because we have to kind of take apart what we're, what he was seeing to kind of understand what he might have been trying to to uh, portray to us because again he's describing something that he doesn't quite have the best grasp of and that's that's one of the big things I take away whenever someone's describing what God is or what God is like or what heaven is like most people don't really aren't able to articulate what they're seeing so this this is uh going into some of the symbology the throne is is the throne of judgment and one big uh imagery that i get a lot uh is is seeing god up in like a a judge's booth you know like in a courtroom Uh uh-huh that's that's one of the big ones I get, and that leads into more of what I think happens after we die, but we can get into that later. And then this appearance of ruby and jasper is is considered divine wisdom and uh, divine love of God. And uh, the jasper they're talking about in this section is actually a white jasper. Uh, there's 
many, many different types of uh, jasper. So this is a white and red throne, and then a uh, rainbow shines around it like an emerald. So I guess if you could could take like a cut gemstone and, and point a light at it and you get that kind of shine out of it. That's the, that's the, that's what we're seeing only. It's a rainbow of color coming off this throne. So you get this, you get this idea that the throne is made out of this, this precious, very precious stone that is representative of, of God's divine wisdom and love. So. Okay. That, that completely describes why they they had the like the color the entire color spectrum there yeah. for him to see. Yeah, and and then you you see this like if you're a fan of the Templars and stuff like that, you see how they have the the red cross on the white background. You get this this red and white color is very prominent in a lot of uh, you know symbolism that humans have used to kind of display what they mean when they're following God. Now the 24 elders is an interesting one. There's, there's several theories on this and I've dug into this and I have my own personal favorite theory uh, that I'll get to after the end. But some people believe that these 24 are, are these kind of grand spiritual humans who kind of, you know, transcended their lives. You could think of like maybe Noah's up there and Abraham and maybe the disciples. Some of the disciples are part of this group. That's one school of thought is that this is humans that have already transcended and they have made it into the inner council of God. Now, another school of thought, which I personally am part of, is that this 24 elders is the divine council, which we hear about in the very beginning book of, of uh, or very beginning chapters of Revelation, where he was talking to his divine council. And this is, this is uh, they're not angels. They are spiritual beings that are akin to God, but they're not God. They are on the same kind of spiritual wavelength, I guess, but they're not all-knowing. They're not all-powerful. They're just divine counselors that I believe this is who they're talking about when they say the 24 elders. Oh, huh. Yeah. So, and that, but that goes into a... a, a a deep spiritual belief that I've kind of come to that has, if you want to look more into this, there is a book called the unseen realm by Dr. Michael H. Heiser. And he goes into very depth of what the spiritual realm looks like right now and what it is like in heaven and sort of things like that before, you know, before earth and heaven become one, which is what we're going to read later on in the books of Revelation. But this, if you want a more in-depth go of the spiritual realm, I would suggest that book. And he has a podcast that I am binging and trying to learn more about the spiritual realm because I feel that's a very amazing thing that not very many Christians talk about. And I'm curious if most Christians even know about. Did you know about yeah, Chris? The, the fact that they outline it in the Bible. Um, I, as a matter of fact, I, I mean, I knew that when we'd be going into Revelation that we're going to be uh, obviously seeing a lot more of what previous characters in the Bible would have confronted when they died um, and came back to life in, in, a, in a way or had received a message from the Spirit identically to John, but not in the presence of the Son of God himself. Um, and, you know, it's just, 
it's interesting to me to think about that. That's something that we don't only get to look forward to, but that helps us cope with our limited perception just now. Yeah, no, and, and it's great to be that we're going over this. So now the 24 elders are dressed in white linens with crowns of gold. What does that mean? Well, the white linens are a common sign of purity and, you know, cleanliness, like we went over in uh, the pe- previous chapters. We had some of those where they were talking about white linens. This also was talking about divine truth and genuine truths of the Lord. So these these elders, whoever they are, are in the divine truth of the Lord, so they are given these white linens to to ascribe how pure they are. And then the crowns of gold are their wisdom from love and the love of God that we were talking about earlier from the throne with the uh, ruby. So, and then the seven spirits of God, we've seen the seven lampstands several times throughout the, the book now, and... Uh, we're back to this and there was something else that was attached to that, which was called the spirits of God. And these are the seven spirits. They are wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and the fear of the Lord. And these are, are seven spirits that many people have, you know, kind of meditated on and tried to figure out exactly what all they mean. And there's, there's hours of study you can do just pouring over what these seven spirits are. And it could be a very good, a very lucrative time, use of your time to go over these things. I've, I've started pondering some of them, but with my time crunch trying to get this, this episode all together, I, I didn't go into depth on all of them. Have you? So what do you know about the seven spirits of the Lord, Chris? Um, so as far as the seven spirits of the Lord, um, I actually had an interesting take from a pastor of mine when I was much younger. And he said, when you look into it, there's so many different theories. And he said, the best thing to do is to differentiate, find one you like, or just don't discriminate from it. Don't hate on each one and say, no, well, this guy's obviously more right than this one because they obviously weren't there. So however you take that, however you adapt all seven spirits into your life is meant to be fit for you you know that's up to the individual too we're also creations of god just as um the realm of heaven is right yeah yeah or as this divine council would yeah, be and, his yeah, angels and, yeah and um the, the, the divine council if you dig into the the spiritual theories and stuff like that the divine council is a separate thing from angels just as we are separate from angels so it's a, a little more complex than i'd like to go into right here right now because again i'm just studying most of this so i i don't have a firm enough grasp yet to be you know teaching on this but let's address the elephants in the room or the four creatures i should say that uh tend to give people kind of headaches on what are these strange creatures and and why in the world are we hearing about them, you know? And that was the lion, the ox, the man, and the eagle, and they're described as having these eyes all about them. And if you just look up Revelation chapter 4 images online, you will get all sorts of representations of these four creatures in the throne room. And, uh, this is a very gripping, and these these are known as uh, angels. These are the are some of the angels. 
their cherubims is what the most common theory I have I have you know read about their cherubims which we've heard from Genesis 1 they're placed probably not these four but cherubims were placed at the entrance of the garden of Eden to keep man from coming back these four are obviously guards of the throne room and they you know spend their time praising the lord and protecting the lord from invaders i guess but each of these is a, is a symbol of god's amazing you know sovereignty so the lion represents the king of kings he is the king of the beasts, as we know, the lions are called in the savannas. They are, you know, apex predators. They're top, top of the food chain. So this cherubim is representative of God being the king of kings. There is no one above God. The ox, uh, the ox excuse me, which uh, can be translated several ways into bull or calf, which pretty much just means a bovine creature of some sort, which I think cows or bulls, like, because that's my job. But this is the representative of how Jesus is the sacrifice, because at this time, the most common sacrificial animal was the bull or the calf. It was, uh, you know, easy to come by. It was a great rich, uh, great sacrifice to make, especially if it was a bull calf, because you're giving up the possibility of a lineage there. So this was a, this is just a representative of Jesus being the sacrifice. The man is representative of Jesus coming into our world and becoming human so that he can serve as that sacrifice. And then uh, the eagle is the sovereignty and supremacy of God. It's another uh, top of the food chain animal that kind of, you know, helps us realize that God is supremely sovereign. There is no one above him. So, did anything there stand out to you, Chris? Uh, well, uh, I, I guess I am simple-minded sometimes, and I, I believe that this is what John witnessed. Uh, though, um, additionally for me, yeah, like, like I say, I'm a little simple-minded at times. I also just picture these things as just, wow, this is what God has, not only just part of the realm of heaven that this is what god has closest to him you know he has the capability of creating the universe but he also has you know a lion an ox a man and an eagle with however many thousands of eyes and wings uh therefore they're that's the cherubim thing uh that's a winged angel right yeah, yeah, and uh, cherubim is there. There's if you want to go into angelology and study of all these, you know, the there's like eleven tiers of angels. There, these are like the second highest level of angel. I guess the next highest would have been like the messengers of uh, uh, Michael, the archangels. I believe would be the top. So uh, these these the cherubim are often used to guard things. So they are the guard of the throne room. And, and one thing I was thinking about just now as we were reading this is I hope that someday, you know, after I get to new Jerusalem, I get a chance to go to that temple in the middle of the city and go see this, this, the throne room of God and see the council and see the, the winged cherubim and, and be able to, you know, worship in the, the immediate presence of God, but we'll get into more about what the city looks like because I think it's in chapter uh, 17 or 
somewhere around there, that we talk about New Jerusalem, and there'll be more. I, I've been talking with my pastor a lot about what that looks like and what, what it'll be like to be there. So these four living creatures don't rest day or night. They are there 24-7. They guard the throne room, and they... Excuse me. They uh, praise God with all, in all His glory. And uh, one of the things when uh, the time when the tabernacles was part of of Jerusalem or the Israelites' camp, they were always camped as twelve individual tribes around the center, which was where the uh, the tabernacle was. And always to the west was uh, Ephraim the tribe of Ephraim, who had an ox flag. To the north, there was the tribe of Dan. They had an eagle flag. To the south was the uh, tribe of Reuben. They had a flag of a man. And then to the east, they had the tribe of Judah, which had a lion flag. So here we see the revelation tying back to a much earlier time, which I believe this was in uh, Exodus, where they were moving around and they camped around the tabernacle. And it's interesting that these four symbols come up as the cardinal tribes that camped around the tabernacle because they had to camp in a specific way around the tabernacle as it's described in Leviticus, like extensively. And that was something that just stood out to me that we're bringing more imagery back from the earlier parts of the Bible, which I look forward to going through other books in this podcast just to see how more things tie back into Revelations. I know we've talked a little bit about that uh, on one of our side chats. Well, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, we have a few times. And one, one of the driving points, and I think it made it into an episode was that God is omnipresent, not only physically, but also through time itself. So you also get some callbacks. I mean, you get some callbacks in this book to previous books, but you also have foretelling in the Old Testament to revelations and things later on that no one had expected that had uh, really truly come to fruition. Yeah, and one of the things that I've I've heard is that you should read the Bible as if it is a work of fiction because there is a overarching narrative that is is going from the very first book of the Bible until the very end. Everything that is said in the beginning has foreshadowing, has, you know, references to later parts of the Bible and later stories and so when you read fiction, you set your mind to a place where you, as you're reading, you're like, I wonder if this piece, this big piece that he's making a big deal about right now, has any revel- you know, any relevance to a story later on. And then you get to a next story and then, ah, here's a reference to that event that happened. And so I'm not calling the Bible a work of fiction. I'm just saying you should read it like a work of fiction because it's inspired by God. So when he told the story to people to write it down, he knew what the next story was going to be. He knows what the last, you know, like I said, the last scene's written. He knows what that is. So he can always foreshadow in the earlier parts of the Bible to things that happen later on. So it's it's not calling the Bible a work of fiction. It's just saying read it like it is because 
if you believe that the Bible is divinely inspired, the author, or the author beyond human, was, you know, he knows the whole story. Yeah, and I mean, by definition, too, uh, with us being Revelation on demand, uh, that is how Revelations, like, an actual re- re- happening of a revelation works is it's is it's something in the here and now that is about to happen that overarching uh you know from i'll get you god and you know whichever angel he sends archangels uh you know you name it um this is you're at point a right now that's why i'm here i can get you to point b and from there on out you're good and you see these works of art, works of inspiration, truly life-defining moments that teach these individuals all throughout the Bible. And, uh, you know, just completely fixate these people's lives into changing for the better. Or, you know, some, they rebel against it or try to defy it. Uh, but that's what just makes this book so much more uh, of an outstanding thing than you would a work of fiction. So I, I think it's still entirely possible that you can read through it in full belief to it and apply maybe that certain standpoint that, you know, I'm anticipating how God is going to bless, how he's going to change this person's life throughout the book where I'm anticipating how he's going to truly wi- like win it out in the end. Um, as JD has been saying, you know, the system's rigged. We're going to win this. Yeah, and um, that's really... I muted that. I am so terribly sorry. That is, like, unprofessional of me. Anyways, um, distractions aside, uh, it's the big things to take away today is to remember that we win in the end. Uh, we shouldn't have to worry about this. It doesn't matter what you're going through. You're going to make it through it or you're going to be in heaven with the Lord, and that's going to be better. So uh, one last thing I want to say is that if you're on the fence or if you know someone who's on the fence and they're just not quite sure, reach out to them. You know, reach out to us even if you're, you know, just in that spot where you need to talk to someone about it. I'm more than happy to talk to people about faith and, and what they need to hear from God, and I can give you as many answers as I have or help you find the answers that you're looking for. I'm I'm not going to say I am the end-all, be-all of anything, you know. I, I'm more than happy to help you find that, the way to get to Christ because it would make me feel better in the end if I knew that everyone who reached out to me or was near me, I could help guide towards Christ and know that I at least made an effort to get them to join me in heaven. And that's that's the big message I got this week is go out and fulfill the commission. And it does not have to be, you know, preaching the book. It just has to be talking to people, making relationships and asking them what they think about faith. You got anything else to add, Chris? Uh, JD's being awfully humble. Uh, and you know, and it's true. Like, don't ever, don't ever understate yourself too with that. Um, as a believer, as someone that's on the fence or maybe seeking this, just know one thing, and that's you can gain anything from this. I mean, that's our personal advice. 
So, I mean, we're taking our stance on it, but don't feel like you have to, you're overstepping your bounds or you need to put yourself down in order to be brought up too. Yeah. And again, if you have any questions, please contact us feel free to reach out. Uh, I have, we have the email that I give at the end and we're on social media. It's easy to find us. You can find both of us from the revelation on demand, uh, Facebook page. So please reach out to us if you're questioning. Want me to wrap us up then? Yes, sir. Thank you so much for listening to us today from me. Uh, I'm going to have JD wrap up because he's volunteering to do that. Uh, (laughs) Praise God. Uh, And uh, you'll have a wonderful, wonderful time. Uh, As a friendly reminder, we are doing this every two weeks. So we'll see you next time and it'll be shortly. Yep. And uh, thank you for listening to Revelation On Demand podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you catch your podcast from. Please, if you want like what you're doing, what we're doing, share this with a friend or a family member or someone from your church. This is a completely private venture and receive no funding from any sources. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please feel free to contact me at revelationondemand at gmail.com. If you're looking for that address, it will be in the descriptions of the show. And God bless and see you next time.